It's good to be with you uh, this morning. If you would, open with me in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3. We're in the middle of a series going through the book of Jonah together. The title for today's message is Revival in the City. How many of you know we could use some revival in our city? Amen? Amen. And uh, we've been going through the book of Jonah together. Just to give you a, a recap of where we've been, we saw that God called a man named Jonah, and he was a prophet. And God gave him a message to go to a city that did not know him. It was a wicked city, an evil city, a city full of people who were doing some really bad stuff. The city was called Nineveh. The city of Nineveh was the capital city of a nation called Assyria. And the nation of Israel and the nation of Assyria, they didn't get along. And Assyria was a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot more powerful than Israel, where Jonah was from. Nevertheless, God gave Jonah a message to go and preach to these people, which were his enemy. Jonah didn't want to do it. He didn't want to obey God. I know nobody here can relate to that. Nobody here can relate to getting a word from God or reading something in God's word and you don't want to do it. I know that nobody in here has ever experienced anything like that, right? Right. So Jonah chooses not to follow God's call, God's plan, God's purpose for his life. Instead, he runs in the opposite direction. And God pursues Jonah. How many of you know it's a good thing when God comes after you? Amen? The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And that just as God pursued Jonah, that he has pursued us. Amen. So Jonah, um, where was he at? He disobeyed God. He didn't obey God. He didn't follow God's plan and purpose for his life. I had just said something that was really great. And you guys didn't respond. And that's why I went into that. What did I say that was so wonderful that I thought needed a better response? God pursued him. Oh, man, what a powerful truth. God is still pursuing people. He's in the pursuit business. He's coming after you. How many of you are glad, so glad, that when you run from God, that as soon as you stop and turn around, he's right there? Amen. That if you took 40 steps, 100 steps, 40 million steps away from God, you don't have to come crawling back to God every single step of the way. As soon as you stop and turn around, he's there. Amen. All right, good. And so, uh, so Jonah, he pursues Jonah. He goes after Jonah, and, and he pursues Jonah in a way that might appear on the outside to, to not be a good thing. He sent a storm into Jonah's life. And that through the process of running from God and, and, and being in the midst of the storm on the sea, that even though Jonah's not obeying, obeying God or following God, God still does this miracle and, and there's revival that breaks out on the ship that Jonah's on. And that these sailors who are worshiping false gods, they convert and they start to serve the one and the true and the living God. And, and there's this revival that takes place in, in the, the ship and with the captain and with all the sailors. And finally, they throw Jonah overboard because Jonah says, look, the only way to stop the storm is you've got to throw me overboard. And they throw him into the sea. And that God appointed a huge fish to come and swallow Jonah. 
And that Jonah, in the midst of the fish, he, he cried out to God and, 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 and God saved him and rescued him and delivered him. And, and that even though Jonah wasn't fully and finally delivered to safety, he still recognized that God had saved him and set him free from drowning. And that was, an, he deserved to drown. He deserved to die for his sin. Yet God rescued him by his grace. And how many of you know that we, because of our sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, yet God has saved us and rescued us and, and given us grace and mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. Why are his mercies new every morning? Because we use them up every 24 hours. We, I do anyway. I need some new mercies every morning. And they're always there. I never run out of God's grace, never run out of God's mercy. It's an amazing thing. And so finally, Jonah repents and he says, I, I will do what I said I would do. I will pay the vow that I've made before the Lord. I will, I will keep my word as a prophet. I will go and do what you've asked me to do. And so God had the fish in chapter 2, verse 10. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. And that's where we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 3 today. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. That means it would take you three days to walk from one side of the city to the other, a massive city. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, in 40 days, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Then the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. This is a sign and a symbol of, of genuine humility, of genuine repentance. And he issued a proclamation and published it throughout all Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. What an incredible story. What an incredible thing that happens in this city. That Jonah, the reluctant prophet, 
steps into the middle of the city, a three days journey across. He walks into the heart of the city and he proclaims to them the word of God. The word that God gave Jonah to preach. And upon hearing it, they don't reject it. They don't say, get out of here, you Israelite. We're not going to serve your God. We're not going to stop what we're doing. We're going to keep on living the way that we... No, they turned from their evil ways. Conviction gripped their heart. They said, what are we doing? What have we done? Even their animals had to fast. Even they put sackcloth and ashes on their animals. Even the, the king, from the greatest to the lowest of them was gripped in their hearts from this message that Jonah had preached. And it's this huge revival. Could you imagine seeing something like that in our city? Wouldn't that be amazing? People so burdened by their sin, so under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that they can't even eat, they can't even work, they, they just fall on their faces and cry out to God for salvation. A whole city. It wouldn't be the first time that happened. It happened right here. If God can do it then, can he do it now? He can do it now. Does God want to do it now? He does. And like Jonah, we are called to proclaim God's word in our city. We've been given the great commission, haven't we? That we are to go into all the world and to proclaim the gospel to all creation. We are called to share the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done and that this is something for all Christians. Are you a Christian here this morning? Listen, you're called to be a preacher. This isn't just something for the quote-unquote professionals. This isn't something just for those who went to Bible college. This is something for every believer. All of us are called by God to be sharing the good news, to be sharing the gospel. Yet many times, often times, we don't. We struggle. We're embarrassed. We're ashamed. We don't know what to say. We miss opportunities. We're afraid. Am I speaking to anybody here this morning? We miss the opportunities that are right in front of us. Now, I believe as, as genuine Christians of genuine faith that, that genuinely love God, I believe that we have a genuine desire to share the gospel. I believe that you have that desire. I believe all of us have that desire. But so oftentimes, something gets in our way. And here's why. I think that some of us have believed some lies about sharing our faith. We, we've believed some things that were not true, and it stops us in our tracks. And so this morning, from this passage today, I want to pull out three truths, three points that I think will help you be more faithful in sharing the gospel. How many of you want to be more faithful 
with the opportunities the Lord brings to you. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to give you three points, three truths that's going to help you to be more faithful in sharing God's word and sharing the gospel. Are you ready? Number one, God works through broken vessels. This is such good news. God works through broken vessels. You don't have to be perfect for you to be used by God. We've seen Jonah's life. We've looked at his resume. To this point, it's not very impressive. Jonah's not on paper. He, he doesn't have a lot going for him as far as why God would choose him to be used to take this message. It, it's not that God was sitting in heaven and and he was so impressed with Jonah's resume that he said, I'm going to pick this guy because I, I know he's going to go. No, J God knew that Jonah would fumble on this thing. God only uses broken vessels. I, I put God works through broken vessels, but that's all he uses. Because that's all the options he's got. <laughs> he's working with what he's got. Jonah's got some issues in his life. He's got a bad attitude. We're going to see that next week. Because Jonah doesn't like high five and throw a, a big party that people got saved. He gets mad about it. Jonah's got some attitude issues. Jonah, he, he's got a hard heart towards people. Jonah's actually got some prejudice going on in his heart. We're going to see that next week. Jonah disobeys God. Jonah is not like the all-star, right? If, if you were picking like, you know, a, a team that you wanted to put together of preachers who would go and do a, you know, an awesome job, you wouldn't start with Jonah. He, he even... He walks into the city a whole day without saying a word. Then the message that he preaches in the Hebrew language, in the original language, it's only five words. That's it. And, and I firmly believe that all he did was preach that message. Five words. In 40 days, Nineveh's being overthrown. He didn't talk about God's love, God's grace, here's how you repent, this is how this works. He just went in there, I think, with a bad attitude. Yet God still calls him and uses him. And that's good news for all of us. Because if I'm being honest, sometimes I've got a bad attitude. Sometimes I don't obey God. Sometimes I've got a hard heart. But those things do not disqualify me from being used by God. And I think that sometimes people get this idea in their mind that for them to be used by God, they have to be perfect. Let me tell you something. You'll never be perfect this side of heaven. Amen. I mean, like, you, you can't wait until the day that you've got it all figured out then I'll start sharing the gospel. It doesn't work that way. 
You can't wait to the day that, okay, my marriage is finally perfect. Now I can start sharing the gospel. That's not how it works. You can't wait to the day that, okay, finally my children are behaving. Then I can start sharing the gospel. Listen, if, the, if it was that for me, I would never be able to step onto the stage. You can't wait for the day when, when you finally have, have licked this or licked that or got your attitude under control. Or, listen, part of how God works in your life is by you sharing the gospel with other people. That's what we've seen through Jonah, that, that part of how God is working in Jonah's life is by having him go on this assignment for him. And so if you will begin to step into what God has called you to do, share the gospel, you're going to see God start to work in your marriage. God start to work in your kids. God start to work in all of these other different areas, and certainly in your heart, and certainly on your attitude. Listen, God uses broken people. That is such good news. Sometimes we get into this this thought, this idea, it gets into our head, God can't use me because of my past, because of the things I did, because of the person I was, that means I have no future with God. Listen, that is such a lie from the pit of hell that is so against what God's word says. It's so counter to the gospel. God calls Jonah, and he calls Jonah a second time after Jonah has messed up, after Jonah has disobeyed, after Jonah has gone the other way. It says that God's word came to him a second time. Listen, there's a second time with God. There's a third time with God. There's a fourth time with God. No matter how many times you've messed up in the past, there is another display of God's grace for you and an opportunity for you to be fruitful in his kingdom. Amen. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, he says, here is a trustworthy saying that, de- that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. We know that Paul's history, his resume, his, his, the things that he done, did before Christ were horrible persecuted the church, violently opposed the church, threw Christians into jail, even put them to death. He calls himself the chief of sinners or the worst of sinners. But what he says is, the reason God chose me, he says the reason God chose him was because he was so messed up. Not because he had it all together, but because his life was such a wreck. That's why God chose him. So that through Paul, we who would believe could see a demonstration of God's grace and mercy and patience. 
Don't believe the lie that you are somehow disqualified from being used by God. If God can use Paul, he can use you. Amen. We think we have to have it all together or to be perfect or all of these things. It is not true. God is not done with you. If you're still breathing, and I think, I don't know about that church a few weeks ago, but I know in here, we're all, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you're still breathing, there's a purpose for your life. God's got a call on your life. He wants to use you, all of us called by God, to share the gospel. You know, sometimes uh, I, I was very fortunate, the family that I grew up, not fortunate, I was blessed. I was blessed, the family that I grew up in. And part of the blessing was that uh, my family, we spoke words of life. My parents spoke words of life into me. Uh, they spoke the word of God into me and over me. And so I'm, I'm incredibly blessed by that. And parents, your children can be blessed too if you will speak God's word over their lives. But I know that many of you in here did not grow up that way. Your parents didn't speak blessing over your life. They spoke curses into your life. Parents, grandparents, teachers, they, they speak words into our life that are not words of life, they're words of death. Words like you'll never amount to anything, you're always going to be a failure just like me, you're just a waste of space. Listen, those words are not from God. Some of you have been carrying the burden of those words since you were a little child, but let me tell you something, God's word stands above those words. God's word and what his word says about you, it cancels those words. Those words that the enemy sowed into your life to destroy you, God's word is like the supreme court in our, in our country. It doesn't matter what all these other courts say down here. When the supreme court speaks, that's it. And that's what God's word is in our lives. And so, so what if, if someone said over you, you'll never amount to anything? The Bible says that in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. So what if they said I was going to be a failure? In Jesus Christ, I am victorious. So what if they said that I'm just a waste of space and I'm an accident and my life has no meaning and no purpose? That's not what God's word says about me. Listen, you need today, somebody today needs to be set free by the word of God, the word of God that has so much more authority and power. Stop listening to the voice of some ghost from your past some 30 years ago. God has declared that you are his son. God has declared that you are his daughter. God has declared that you are victorious, that you have been set free, that you are filled with the power of his spirit. Stop living under these other decrees, under these other words. Start living under what God's word says and be set free and moved in, move into what God has for you. Amen. And look at what God finally does with Jonah in his life when he decides to obey. When Jonah finally decides to obey, even reluctantly, 
There, there's this incredible revival that breaks out. And so I want to encourage you that, that there is no limit to what God can do with a life that is fully surrendered to him. There is no limit to what God can do with a life that is fully surrendered to him. You know, so many times in life I've felt this way, and I know that you have too, you just feel stuck. You feel like things aren't moving the right way, going the right direction. It's like nothing is happening. And what I have found when I am stuck in life it's usually because God has spoken to me and I have ignored it or chosen not to obey it. That when I will finally fully surrender to the word of God, that his plan and his purpose begins to continue to move forward and at an accelerated pace. So if you've ever felt that way, if you felt stuck or that things aren't progressing or that you're going in circles, I would ask you, has God spoken to you about something and have you obeyed him fully? What we see is that Jonah is stuck in the belly of a whale. It just happens to be where Jonah is stuck. And when he agrees to obey God's word, his life gets back on track and look at what God does. Look at the results. Look at the fruitfulness from his life. So I would encourage you, are you fully obeying God's word? Are you fully stepping out into what God has given you? There is no limit to what God can do with a life that is fully surrendered unto him, especially in this area of sharing the word of God, of sharing the gospel. The second point I want to share with you today is that the word of God has power. There is power in the word of God. Jonah goes into this city armed only with the word of God. These are the enemies of him. These are his neighbors who are at war with him. And he goes in only with the word that God gave him to speak, and that is all that he speaks. Yet, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit that comes from sharing the word of God. Paul writes in Romans 1.16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Listen, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. There is no other way for people to be saved, to be set free, to be delivered, to be restored, to be redeemed, other than through Jesus. And there's no way to put your faith in Jesus unless the gospel is shared. There is power in the gospel. There is power in the word of God. Paul writes in 1017 of Romans that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. See, the enemy knows this. Satan knows this. He knows that there's power in the word. He knows that there's power in the gospel. And so he does everything that he can to get you to shut your mouth. He's not dumb. 
He knows what's going on. He knows that if you begin to share, if you begin to, to, to witness, if you begin to preach, if you begin to proclaim, if you begin to, to, to open up the word, he knows that people are going to get saved. And so he does everything he can to get you to keep your mouth shut. Well, who do you think that you are? How are you going to do that? You must think you're something big. You must think you're a big shot now. Or, you know what you did last week? You, sh you have no right to be sharing the gospel. Listen, none of us have any right in ourselves. It's only through the gospel that we have any right standing with God to share the gospel. But because of it, I am no longer a slave to sin. The Bible says I have been declared righteous before God. So we can all with a power, we can all with authority, we can all with, with zeal and fervency share this message. And if you will be faithful in sharing the word, you will be fruitful in your life. You will see fruit come, I promise you. But you have to know that the power is in the word of God. The power is in the gospel. And so you need to make a declaration. You must decide, I am going to speak the gospel. I am going to share it with myself first, and then I will share it with others. I'm going to remind myself of who I am because of what Christ has done for me, and then I'm going to share it with others. It is the greatest news in the history of the world. This is where Jesus is talking about the parable of the seed and the sower, that the, the farmer who is like us, we go out into these fields, and it's our job to spread the word of God. It's our job to spread the gospel. And we, we, don't, we don't make any uh, determinations on, well, is this person going to respond, or, or is this person think that he's open? No, we share it with everybody. We cast it out like a sower casting seed. We don't know what seeds are going to land and produce fruit and what seeds are not. We share with everyone. And what we see from that parable is that the power, the life, is not with the farmer. It's not in the soil. The life is in the seed. The power is in the seed. It's in the word. That as it is shared, it is as, it is, as it is proclaimed, faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. That wasn't, there wasn't something there, but when the gospel is shared, somehow, mysteriously, miraculously, the Holy Spirit produces faith in people's hearts to believe in Jesus. And it's not in your power, not in your strength. The power is in the word. You need to know that the word has power. The word goes from the center of the city where Jonah was. It travels all the way to the king. There's this awesome verse in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 where Paul writes, and I don't have it on the screen, but he says, to remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, and I am bound in chains as a criminal. He's writing this 
in prison. And he says, even though I am bound with chains, the word of God is not bound. He says, even though I am in chains, they can't chain the word of God. Even though he is in prison, God's word cannot be stopped, cannot be shut up unless we close our mouths. We must open our mouths, let the Lord fill our lips, give us the words to speak, step out in faith, knowing that the power is not in us, but the power is in the word of God. Amen. Number three, and I believe this is going to set some people free today. Number three, the results are not your responsibility. You need to know this. The results of sharing the gospel, what happens whether they receive it or reject it, whether they bow the knee to Christ or they harden their heart against Jesus, the results are not your responsibility. They are God's. So many times we, we get stopped in our tracks, and, and this was my great fear for the longest time. I thought it was my responsibility to get people to believe in Jesus, but it's not. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul writes, he says, I planted the seed, sharing the word of God. Apollos, somebody else watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Only God who makes it grow. Listen, you can't save nobody. You can't even save yourself. It's not about you. It's not about your eloquence. It's not about your ability. It's not about your education. Listen, if it was about those things, none of us would get saved. It's about God. He is the one who makes it grow. He is the one who brings the increase. Paul says, I am nothing. Apollos is nothing. But God is everything. And if we will be faithful in what he has called us to do, God will make it grow. Let me encourage you. So many of you worry, and I used to worry, what if I mess up? Like, this is really important. This is somebody's eternal destiny at stake. And what if I mess it up? What if they ask me a question and I don't have all the answers? Let me encourage you today. You are going to mess it up. You're not going to have all the answers. But God is still going to work. God will still work. Because he only uses broken vessels. He, he only uses messed up people. I don't even have to say messed up. I can just say people. It's, it's included in it. To err is human. Listen, you, you have to be set free from these ideas that God only uses perfect people, that, there's, that, that, that the power is somehow, somehow in you or, or in your presentation, and that somehow it's your responsibility to convert people. All of these things belong to God. 
these things about messing up, about not having all the answers, in the end, they don't matter because the power is not in our presentation. The power is in the word of God. You could make the argument that Jonah's sermon wasn't a very good sermon. He did not have a catchy title. He did not have an entertaining introduction to, you know, get people's interest and have them, you know, get on board with where he was going. He didn't have three points of application. He didn't have a worship team come up and play mood music at the end to get people to respond. Like all of the things that people think that they need, he had none of it. But what he did have was a willing heart, even though he was reluctant, and he had the power of the word of God. And those two things are all that God needs to bring revival to a city. Amen. If we as God's people would get a willing heart, even if it was reluctant, and be faithful to share the word of God, to share the gospel at every opportunity that we had and would even make opportunities to do it. Listen, we could shake this city. This church can shake this city. This church can, can, can bring revival to this city and to this community, but it's gonna take us stepping into who we were created by God to be, to walking in the authority that he's given us, not based on our own merits or works or righteousness, but only based on the grace of God, but step into and boldly proclaim God's word when we have the opportunities, there would be revival in this place. Like this church would be overflowing next week if all of us declared that we would share the gospel this week. I, I promise you it would happen. Why, because we're so awesome and wonderful and eloquent? No, but in spite of all of those things, God will work through the power of his word. That's how it works. And I believe that all of us deep down inside have a desire to be used by God, to be fruitful for God, to not be on the sidelines of God's kingdom, but to be in the harvest field. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said. That means there's harvest everywhere. So what's the problem? How come the, the barns, how come the storehouse isn't full of harvest if the harvest is plentiful? Jesus says, because the laborers are few. Listen, there is, a, there is a imbalance in the harvesters to laborers ratio. We, we need more laborers in the harvest field of souls in this community. There are so many people. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people like the people of Jonah's day who when they heard the word of God, they responded in faith. There are so many people around us each and every day. But we have to stop. We have to listen. We have to be ready. We have to be looking for the opportunities we have to be faithful in sharing the word of God. And if we will, God's going to move. God will move in a mighty and a powerful way. And what, what could we want more than that? 
What could we want more than that? Than to see God using us, working through us to bring salvation to people, to bring hope to people, to bring life to people, to bring restoration to people's families and marriages, to see whole families come to know Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to do in you and through you. But we gotta stop believing the lies of the enemy. We gotta stop believing that it's about us. We gotta stop believing that it's our job to convert people. We have to be willing to just share the word of God and leave it where it stands and let God do the rest. So I wanna encourage you today, don't let the enemy rob you of the fruit that God wants to produce through your life. Don't let the enemy rob you. Don't let the enemy shut your mouth. Make a declaration, make a dedication today that you're gonna be someone who is faithful in sharing the gospel. And watch how God will bring revival to people's hearts and to people's lives. Amen.